following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Okay, so um, this is, uh, we, we had him on a different topic, but because of the situation in Israel, I felt like this is worth addressing. Although at some point we've addressed, we have touched upon some of these issues in the past. Um, uh, but this is a very important topic. Um, I think we as Jews, we need to know uh, what the Torah view is. We're not going to discuss it from the political perspective. Um, more from the, again, strictly the, the Torah's view as to many of these issues at hand. Finally <laughs> worked. How are you? Okay. Are you? Have you had lunch yet? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> um, so, the, the, one of the key issues on the table now is obviously the question of uh, the ethical issue which faces, the, which faces Israel, which is... Um, and really, not just Israel, but the entire civilized world, the sense of how you avoiding civilian casualties when you battle terrorists, um, and uh, specifically in this case, I mean, even not only terrorists, but even in this case, if you want, if you, even if you don't refer to Hamas as terrorists, which most of the civilized world does, still it, um, it's an issue of where they're embedding themselves in within the civilian population, um, within mosques, hospitals, schools, how do you deal with that from the from an ethical viewpoint, um, where it's almost going to be almost impossible to avoid civilian casualties in a situation like this? Two, the two other things are vegetarian. Yeah, okay. He only, he's vegetarian, I believe. Okay. Um, so, so again, obviously Israel itself must confront this challenge um, on a daily basis. This is not the first time. It's obviously very. I think it's. Um, become very obvious in this war, um, having to to um, deal with this head on. So, so I actually found a actual scenario that took place not during this war. This is one of in 2006, I believe. Um, so, question number one we're going to focus on is this question of civilian casualties. Then we'll try to focus on some other important issues um, as well, um, relevant ethical issues that come up in the war. So question number one is, this is an actual scenario, if you see it here on the inside of the cover. Israeli Air Force located a, a terrorist leader, had the opportunity to eliminate him. So they had him in their sights, they could have um, eliminated him. And what happened was the, the terrorists noticed it was, whether it was a drone, I don't know if this case was a drone or actually a fighter plane, um, but noticed the plane. Um, and, and realized it might be for him. So he jumped out of his car, got into a, a taxi cab. Um, I don't think he hailed it, he just pulled up classical movie scene, got into a cab where there was another passenger in the cab. Question then becomes, do the, for the pilots, for the Israeli pilots, do they go ahead and um, shoot at him or not? Clearly in that scenario where they're gonna kill someone who's not a target, okay? And I don't know if you noticed, in the news the last few days, they had at least one situation where I saw where they called off a missile strike um, because they did see um, children in the area. They actually was 13, um, uh, 12, I think, terrorists that they know they saw in one spot, one home. But there were other um, non-combatants in the area, and they actually did not uh, shoot at them. And they show they actually show the you can see the footage, and you see the people, and then the pilot says he sees that there are other 
people in the area and, and the whoever, it's actually a woman's voice who's talking to him says, you know, hold off for now and, and shows the footage. So it's fascinating. So you do, the question is, so obviously a number of ethical issues besides actually the targeting of civilians or, or, or I guess as a casualty, even as a, not targeting them, but, but um, them being um, collateral damage, the question then becomes, do you risk um, Israeli soldiers' lives, or even the country's, in a certain sense, you have the, the opportunity to kill terrorists, but you're not going to kill them because there might be civilian casualties. So it then becomes a question of you putting lives of your citizens at risk. So how does that work? Because you could have took them out, but you didn't because you don't want to um, kill the civilians. So that's, that's really the question involved here. Um, so, so the... This has been addressed extensively, obviously, by many ethicists in Israel, um, sp and specifically from the Torah view, as we'll see. Um, so again, we're, we're not going to discuss the politics of it, because obviously, even though, as we'll see, there are, politics could be relevant um, to, to the halacha too, as it does play a role, but first we'll come at it just specifically what we see. As we know, the Torah is a is a book that uh, covers almost all the ethical issues, even though many times not explicitly. Um, but you can, from various um, other halachic issues in the Torah, many times you can apply them to the situation. So the situation um, that we do find in the Torah, um, at least the, the primary situation that deals with civilian casualties, is the famous story with the rape of Dina. Um, there was an incident that took place in Genesis, in Genesis 34, where, as you know, there were 12 brothers. Jacob had 12 sons. He had one daughter in Dina. And she, um, one day, was going out for a walk. She was a beautiful woman. And she was actually raped by the, um, this, then it was a country, the sh country of Shechem, or the city of Shechem, which is currently Deinablis. Um, always cause, has been causing its problems since then. So for the last couple of thousand years, Nablus is not really, not the place if you're going to go to uh, tourist uh, in Israel, I wouldn't advise you to go there. It's currently under Palestinian authority, but the city of Nablus at that time um, was ruled by someone named uh, Shem, and that's hence the name Shem today is named after that original ruler. And his his, his name was Shem ben Hamor. So it was actually the father whose name was Hamor, the son's name was Shem. So Shem went ahead, he saw this pretty girl, um, and he went ahead and, and raped her. Subsequently, um, he went ahead and um, after the rape, went back to the family and said he'd love to marry her. Very nice woman, tried her out, everything's good, he wants to marry her. So the, the brothers, uh, specifically two brothers, Shimon and Levi, two of the brothers went ahead and the Torah um, goes through in great detail how they went and basically they made a deal with the family. They said, okay, you want to marry her? And the deal, the Torah states explicitly, the deal was trickery to begin with. The question is exactly what the how, what they were trying to trick, what was the goal here, but um, basically what they, what they told uh, these, the father and son, they said, we'd love to have you marry, but we're of the Jewish faith, and of the Jewish faith, you need to be circumcised. So we need to have your whole city um, has to have circumcision before you can join our family. Then maybe there's a chance we can let you uh, date our sister. So the whole, so they said, fine, great deal. They went ahead and advised all the men of their city to get circumcised come circumcised um, and then on the third day after the circumcision which is uh, in current surgery also in current, current medical uh, um, knowledge the third day after surgery is the worst day for the patient three days after the surgery 
So they went ahead and they came into the city, they slaughtered the whole city. Every male um, was slaughtered. Okay, every male in the city was slaughtered. So they come back, and this is the verses here that are quoted. It says, um, I'll just read you from the verses. So it says here, this is chapter 34 in Genesis, it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain, meaning the people of the city, then, that Jacob's two sons, Simon and Levi, um, Levi, Dina's brothers, each took a sword and they came upon the city with confidence and they slew every male. Okay, so this is again, their sister was raped and they came and they basically killed not just the rapist who was Shem, who was the leader of the city, but they killed every male in the city. It says, and Hamar's son Shem, they slew with the edge of a sword and they took Dina out of Shem's house. They had captured, um, they were holding on to, to Dina, the sister, so they, and they, they uh, redeemed, they captured her, got her back. Jacob's sons came upon the slain and plundered the city that defiled their sister. Their flocks and their cattle and their donkey, whatever was in the city, whatever was in the field, they took. And all their wealth and all their infants, their wives, they captured and plundered and all that was in the house. So basically, they came upon the whole city, captured everyone, and, um, killed all the males and took everything else as, as booty. Okay. Um, the verses then continue. Thereupon, verse 30, thereupon Jacob said to Simon, now when they came back, question is, come, come in, come in, plenty of room. Um, so the question is now, it's very nice, it's a nice story in the Torah, but the, does that mean that we condone killing, in this case, seemingly of innocent civilians, civilians within the city? Meaning only, again, only the leader in the city did anything bad. He had raped this woman, Dina their sister. No one else in the city had done anything. They go ahead and kill out all, all the males in the city. Um, question is, what right did they have to do that? And do, is it a good thing or not? Do we condone that? So the next verse, Jacob seems to be actually very upset at his two sons. If you look at verse 30, 30, Jacob says to them, Thereupon Jacob said to Simon and to Levi, You have troubled me to discredit me among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites, among the Prezites, that's the name of the inhabitants, and I am few in number, and they will gather against me, and I and my household will be destroyed. So Jacob seems not to be happy with his two sons. As a matter of fact, we see later on in the Torah, on his deathbed, Jacob goes ahead and actually also discredits his son for the act they did, for killing out the city. The question is exactly what he was upset about. It seems from his words, from Jacob's words, he was just upset that this is going to cause them to go against him, meaning world opinion, sort of worried about, well, similar to today, we're worried about more about world opinion than actuality, whether this was ethical or not. Um, but that's what Jacob seems to be saying here. If you're a number, and now, because of what you did, now they're going to fight a war against us, and they can win. We're only 12, and they have this whole city. Um, so that's, and then the last, it's interesting, but the Torah then gives the last word to the two brothers. They do answer their father. The father's concerned. says, How, what right did you have to kill these people? Why did you do this? Seemingly upset. Why did you commit this act of violence? But they answer him and they say, shall he make our sister like a harlot? This, they treated our sister like a prostitute and, and we want to stand up for the family honor and therefore we had a right to do this. It seemed to be, so Torah is giving the last words to the two brothers, um, not leaving it at Jacob's statement, which is Jacob was upset, seems to give the last words to the two brothers. So, so in essence, bottom line is what do we, um, what is the Torah's perspective? Is this, was this a good thing the brothers did or not? Again, Jacob seems to be upset, but what, um, what do we take from this? Do we take from this, it's a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't, yes. I think I'm missing something. I mean, if they knew it was the leader, and only the leader, 
That's a good question. So similar question you might have today in Palestinian people, many will say, have nothing against the state of Israel. It's just Hamas is bad leadership. All they have is bad leadership. One can make the same argument today. So why should we go in and why should we have collective punishment? I think, I think Let's just kill the leadership and leave the people alone. Kill? What? I think they would try to minimize. One second, one second. Let me just let me deal with Mark and I'll get to you. One second, yeah. So what's your question? I'm saying I, I would think you could try to get that one guy, but you would also want to minimize the other people. So that's the question. Are we fighting the Palestinian people or are we fighting the leadership? In every war, it's really an issue. We're fighting Japan. You think all the people in Hiroshima had something against America? I'm sure many of them didn't. Right? But the question is we bombed Hiroshima. So, so what, this is the question. Not getting right? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm discussing the terrorist why, perspective. Why wouldn't they then? I'm, I'm taking it as the other thing. I, I understand where you're coming from. Loss of life, I understand. I'm not, but mm-hmm. what, back then, and even kind of today, you can see in the people, if, if they are following their leader and you don't eradicate them, then they're going to do the same things, basically. They, they didn't do the raking. Uh, I understand the question. So again, so people in, in Japan didn't hurt America or people in Germany, not necessarily, or combat. There's combatants, there's always non-combatants in every war. We went ahead and carpet bombed uh, Germany. Right? We went ahead and, and bombed Hiroshima. So it's a question, it's a, it's a good question. Whenever you're having a war, are you fighting the, the country, the leadership, or are you fighting the whole country? Meaning all the citizens of the country. It's a, it's a good question. I'm not sure I know the answer, but that's, I'm saying that's what I believe their intention was here. Listen, these people did an atrocity to, our, to us. Let's say we view them as a nation. It's a nation of, of Jacob's sons, 12 people, but it's a nation. Jewish nation at the time, that's all that existed. You have this this leadership now coming, committed an atrocity. So how do we view that? Did the whole city commit an atrocity or it was just the leadership? Lydia, so. Well, I have a, a, a bigger issue there. They, the Shechem came and apologized and said he will do it right. He will do right by, right? By the sister. Okay. He will marry her. So, so in that case, it, it didn't matter to our brothers whether they tried to do it right or not. They, they were going to entrap them and kill them. So that bothers me more than Yeah, well, else. the atrocity was, was done already. I mean, it's hard to, it's very nice afterwards, after you rape a woman, say, hey, I'll marry her, you know, I'll do it right. Well, now, now that I like her and I love her and she's had my baby, I'm going to marry Not sure that's an apology. No, Not sure that's considered an apology. That you, you commit a heinous act and then we, we have a system by which you pay for your, you do something to, to, to make, make right amends. for it. Maybe that's, that wasn't the right for us, but still we expect somebody to, to make amends to do something right. And then, then why tell them, okay, you can do it, just uh, can, uh, first circumcise, uh, get circumcised, and then it will be okay. I'm bothered by the fact that they uh, pretended that it was okay. That's where so, they lost face. So, so is that what Jacob was upset about? No. Yeah. So, so the truth is, so they asked, because initially, so it's a good point, but the comment, none of the commentaries agree with you. And it doesn't mean you can, you can have your own commentary. But uh, <laughs> nothing wrong. I'm just saying most of the commentaries, what they understand is that Jacob agreed, and he had no problem with them killing Shechem and Hamar, the two leaders, because they committed the atrocity. They deserved to die. They did. They didn't trust. They deserved to die. That wasn't the issue. His only issue was why are you killing civilians? If you if you notice Jacob being upset, he's only upset. He was only upset with the fact that they killed. He said, "Why are you killing the whole city? Um, why are you discrediting me?" Like you said, meaning if you want to kill the leaders, that's fine. They deserved it because they, no no one says 
I don't think anyone says they didn't apologize. All they said was we want to marry her. Came to the family and said, listen, it was a nice, nice one-night stand, now we want to, she's a nice woman. So, that's, so the, no one apologized there. They didn't apologize. They, so everyone understands and agrees, it seems, at least in the commentaries, that they, the, the people who committed the atrocity deserve to die. The only issue was on the, the rest of the citizens of the city. That's what Jacob was upset about. And the trick, Jacob understood the trick was to even, because he was in on the trick, even in the beginning. See, that's what it's understood from the verse. It's meaning it says they came initially with trickery, and they had discussed that with Jacob. Just the trick was to get them to get everyone to be circumcised. They're not going to kill what Jacob was upset about that they killed everyone else. So, so you, you still don't like it. No, no, no. I just want to just give you the end. Yes. You can have peace only with defeated enemy. You cannot have peace with undefeated enemy. And that's where I'm going to stop. So if, if there is, just in the last 20th century, we won the war at all uh, ends, the Second World War, and we bombed Dresden, and Nazis bombed our cities, and we bombed because we needed to win the war. Hiroshima, Nagasaki, we needed to win the war because a lot more citizens, would, peaceful people would have been killed. You cannot have peace with undefeated enemy. And so that's how I feel. If, if the country is really needs to have peace, they need to defeat completely and totally. Okay, that's political, that's not political. No, it's not political. No, it's not reality. It's the reality. It's a history. No, it's right, I agree. I agree with you, I understand. I'm and, saying, and John. And I'm not advocating yes. killing any, any children or... But you, you protect. If they go to war, you, you make... Uh, Make sure that there is an infrastructure to protect the population. So, so you're saying in this scenario, kill the, kill the guy in the taxi. I just finished reading the Lions Gate at the Lions Gate, the brand new book about 1967 uh, war, and each chapter is written in memory or in, uh, in honor of our young people who fought that war. And how many examples of our boys being killed when they were tricked into believing that they are saving children and women. And the minute they showed up at the scene, they would be okay. So we need to win the war. So um, in an effort not to become political, but I, you know, I've seen a couple times now this, this heritage conservative panel, where this, where, where, where this, where this um, Muslim woman who's a law student stands up, she's an American citizen, and she starts talking about um, and everything um, with respect to from, you know, why are we treating Muslims this way? And, and, and apparently, I mean, this is a, a five or six minute excerpt, so I didn't see the, you don't see the whole thing, but apparently there was no mention of religion during the um, conversation up to that point. And one of the ladies on the panel stands up, or not stands up, but she just starts speaking, and she's like, I'm glad you asked this question. And she's like, you know, no one here has brought it up in the context of a, of a religious... I saw, I saw that video. Yeah, a religious war. Um, but but, but, but I, need to, I need to ask you, because her comment was, okay, you know, most of the Islamic community is peaceful and, and, and you know, basically not guilty. And, and, and her comment was, True. Unfortunately, 15 to 25 percent of them are radical, <coughs> with an agenda that wants to wipe everybody off the map that doesn't agree with them. Um, and, and, and then she proceeded to make references to Hitler, where there are lots of, you know, very peaceful Germans and um, um, peaceful Japanese during the World War, during World War II. And, and in every conflict, a majority of the people are generally peaceful. Um, yet you're dealing with a conflict in which you have to make 
you know, decisions on how best to react and how best to um, respond to the radical element, to the small element. And you, you can't always, you know, focus on the fact that most people are good because you're not fighting most people. If you were fighting most people, the bad people would, would rule everything. You have to fight. Okay, good. We got it. That's a good, very good point. We got it. We got too much. I mean, it, it, is, it is a little political. No, it is. Heritage Foundation, I a very conservative, yeah. you know, organization. But, 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 but yeah, the no, very, very valid point. Repeats itself over and over okay. again. And, and can I just say one thing to your yeah. points? How are you going to just? How, how are you going to distinguish which which of those people that are innocent really are innocent or not innocent? Mm -hmm. And what will be the end result? I mean, what would be the result no, of but leaving but in all some of cases, them alive? Clear, children are innocent, <coughs> no matter what. Okay, well, children, whatever yeah. their parents are. Well, so, but then again, so who are the parents and what are they instilling yeah, yeah, in them and what's going to happen but later? Children are always considered innocent. So <coughs> so yeah. it's a good I mean, this is the same conflict that people deal with when they have foster situations. Remember? Yes, we got we got to cover the Torah part. Okay, so so, uh, so the question is on top of the page here. What right Shimon Levi have to kill all the male inhabitants? It was only Shem, as we said, it was only the leader and his father who had committed the atrocity. Who was considered a combatant? How do we define, as we're saying, combatants and non-combatants? Is there, do we distinguish between them? And what about collateral damage, even if you're distinguishing, but like in situations like we're talking about in Israel today, where you're targeting maybe uh, terrorists or combatants, but there's collateral damage of non-combatants. Okay, so, so basically, within the story, using this story of Dina as a, as a start point, um, there are, I found three opinions in defining the story, which I think are very relevant to our situation today. So the first one is Maimonides himself. Um, Maimonides in this has a, in his magnum opus called Mishnah Torah, he has, uh, he has a whole chapter called The Law of Wars, um, based on, on Torah. Um, so he discusses there that, that uh, part of, as we, and we, I'm sure we mentioned this here in the past, um, Judaism is a universal religion. It's not only for Jews. Um, Judaism is for Jews, but Judaism is universal in the sense that we don't try to convert people. We believe you can achieve whatever level spiritually you can, even without conversion to Judaism. You don't need to convert to Judaism to be a good moral person, to be saved, as many other religions as Islam and Christianity believe that if you're not Christian you're, you're going you're going to hell if you're not a Muslim you, you deserve to die you're an infidel right, Judaism does not believe that you can be a very nice Gentile as long as you pay your dues now in the um, but no but say we, we, we the, the point is right you, so there's, there's something called again Judaism is universal religion in the sense of there are universal laws that are for all people not for Jews and those are known as the seven Noahide laws so in that context Maimonides says um, how must the Gentiles fulfill the commandment to establish laws and courts one of the seven Noahide laws which means the laws that the Torah preceded Sinai, preceded the Jewish nation, which was a universal laws for all of mankind. So amongst them, I'll just list them quickly. One is murder, um, certain sexual, uh, sexual prohibitions, such as adultery. Um, this, again, for, is prohibited for all mankind. Um, stealing, uh, eating the limb of a live animal, okay, at the, at the rodeo, you know, eating one of those turkey legs, if you pulled it off a turkey. Actual turkey would be a problem. Um, I don't know how many, how many I said, but uh, cursing God, and then the last one, which he's referring to here, is that there's an obligation for all mankind to set up a a system of justice. You have to have law and order. That's an obligation in every society to have law and order. 
nothing to do with uh, Jewish society or not. Now the law is if a society does not set up does not set up a just system, okay, then that that's they're liable. Meaning if you have a society which is anarchy, chaos, where there's no law and order, um, and the leadership does not set up a just system, that is a violation of the seven Ohad laws, and they're all, by the way, capital punishment. Violation, any violation of the seven Ohad laws for a for a non-Jew is capital punishment according to the Torah. So the Maimonides in that context says, how must the Gentiles fulfill the commandment to establish laws and courts? They are obligated to set up judges, magistrates in every major city to render judgment concerning these six universal laws and to admonish the people regarding their observance. Again, uh, stealing, etc., which are basic social laws which I think every society agrees to. A Gentile who transgresses these seven commandments shall be executed by decapitation. Okay? Nice little... I mean, for this reason, says, and this is where the point, point here, the Maimani says, for this reason, all the inhabitants of Shechem, he just throws in this historical note here, the reason why Shimon and Levi, Simon and Levi, and Levi had a right to kill all the inhabitants, he says, because they violated this law, he says, for this reason, all the inhabitants of Shechem were obligated to die. Shechem kidnapped, they observed and were aware of his deeds, but did not judge him. He says, they all violated this concept of not living in a society where there was law and order. They saw that there was an atrocity, a rape occurred. Rape is a terrible atrocity. In the Torah, it's, it's almost, it says, rape is considered tantamount to murder in the Torah. Um, and therefore, they, the whole society observed what their leader was doing, and they didn't protest, they didn't do anything wrong. So as my man is, that is enough reason why they deserve to die, because that's a capital crime. If you violate one of the seven hard laws, capital. So okay. He was obligated to carry out the judgment. Just, well, there has to be, they're saying there needs to be justice. Society has to live with justice. And if people, if you're a member of society and you don't, and you say, okay, we're happy with the anarchy, so then that's, that in itself is a capital Jacobs crime. Jacobs and his sons is a different topic, honestly. Oh, you mean who? They were part of that society. Oh, okay. That's a valid point. Well, they were. They were living there. They were obviously living there. That's yeah, well, they didn't. Okay, so that's a good point. The, the, the bigger question is actually going to be, is if you're living on the end, so the, just applying this, let's say, this opinion um, to what's going on in Israel. So let's say th- what we're saying is if Hamas, if you, <laughs> you know, actually in this case, they voted in the leadership, actually a democratic election, so to speak, they voted in this leadership, and this leadership is, is not a just leadership, meaning they're doing things not only against Israel, against their own citizens, and they don't have a correct form <coughs> of justice, and, and society is lawless, which it is, in, at least in Gaza. Um, so then, then he say it seems Maimani seems to be saying the citizens are culpable, meaning they have to s- do something to about their leadership. Question is really the real question is, let's say they they fear for their life, which is going to be the question in a second. Meaning, it's very nice concept, a very nice ideal concept, but when you're living in a society where the leaders can kill you if you say something bad about them, so then you can't you can't be culpable for not doing something about. It. So the question is, if you're living on the fear of your life, um, and, and let's assume for argument's sake that people in Gaza do have a fear for their life if they would say something against um, their leadership, so then can they be culpable? Which is really actually the next opinion. Nachmanides vehemently argues on Maimonides, and he says that it's ridiculous to say what Maimonides is saying, because um, clearly if you have leadership that can go ahead and just rape and pillage women, this is not the leadership where is the average citizen is going to stand up to. And that's exactly his question. Again, this is written uh, to the uh, 1100s, okay? So the, um, as I'm, this is a paraphrase here, number two. Uh, Nachmanis disagrees 
with Rambam's opinion. He believes that Shlim and Levi were justified in killing, again, Shechem and Chamar. They had a right to kill the people who committed the atrocity. However, he argues that the killing of the males of Shechem was entirely unjustified. His basic argument is that it was wrong for Shlim and Levi to kill the males of Shechem since they did nothing wrong to Yaakov's family. He asserts that the residents of Nero do not deserve death for failure to control the evil actions of their leader. Meaning if the leader is doing the atrocity and they, their hands are tied, so to speak, are they held culpable for that? He says he adds that even if they deserve to die due to other violations of the Noahide Code, Shimon and Levi were not authorized to execute such punishment, which is really addressing your point. He says even if you want to say so, maybe they did deserve to die, they did other things wrong um, of the seven Noahide laws, which is capital punishment, but who are they to all of a sudden to come along and say we're in charge of justice in this society, which is really addressing your point to some extent. So Nachmanides clearly disagrees. According to Nachmanides, he's saying they were 100% wrong. Simon and Levi had no right to kill any of the other citizens of Shechem besides the leadership, besides the father and son who, who committed the atrocity. So clearly, um, this is the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay, so we have two opinions. So the third opinion, as we're going to see here, is somewhat of a compromise, um, which is the morale of Prague um, actually brings both opinions, and he... he he, he, he agrees to the question of Nachmanides that what right did they have to, to do that? Um, seemingly, and he brings up this point that their hands were tied. Um, if they are around the back page now, um, that they, they um, couldn't have done anything. Even if they wanted, assuming the citizens wanted to do something, could they have done something? Okay, and therefore, before we get to his opinion, I just want to point out there are questions, again, in this case, some make the argument that these people elected Hamas knowing what they were get, getting into. So that's very different. Um, when you have, usually when you have a dictatorship, there's not, they're not elected. People didn't choose their dictator, and therefore their argument is, listen, we can't be held culpable for what the leader is doing because we, there's nothing our hands are tied. Unless we go to war against the leader, make a civil war, but the question is, are they obligated to do that? In this specific case, when you're applying it to the situation in Gaza, they chose their leaders. It was a, it was a, Democrat, a democratic election, Initially, Fatah was in leadership. They went, they had an election. Um, it was, uh, there was a, at some point, Hamas did go ahead and forcibly take, kick Fatah out of Gaza. But again, there was an election and they were elected as the majority leadership. So in that case, uh, and they, I'm not sure you, the citizens can claim they're not culpable. These are their leaders and the leaders are doing something wrong. So they're the, um, they, they pointed these people. Maybe they can argue at the time they didn't realize how bad it would be. I, I don't know. But I'm saying it's not as simple. Um, even according to Nachmanides, um, I would argue that he would agree in the case of Gaza where they elected their leaders, then they are culpable for, for their leadership. Um, in, in number, opinion number three here is the morale. Um, the morale, famous morale of Prague. He lived in the 1500s. Um, and he was the chief rabbi of Prague. A famous, he was infamous or famous for creating the golem. It's a question of if it's mythical or not. Anyone who's been to Prague, I've been to Prague. Um, there actually is a statue of the morale in, in downtown Prague today. Till today, they admire him as a leader. Um, is there a statue of the golem, too? Statue, there is a statue of the golem, too. There's golems <laughs> so, all over the synagogue. <coughs> There's golems all over the synagogue, yeah. Right, no, the golem is, the, is this, supposedly this thing that he invented. In the synagogue? Oh, yeah. No, they say he's buried. Supposedly the golem's buried upstairs. But there are many historians who say the whole thing was a myth. So... In any case, um, so his, he says like this, again, he discusses these things, and he says like this, he says, discussing the two opinions, and he says, even though the Torah says you should offer them a town to, 
you approach to attack. Again, he's addressing this issue of silent lady because normally, in other places, the Torah says explicitly, before you go to war, um, you must offer peace. Okay, that's a Jewish concept, even though clearly Judaism, uh, Jewish philosophy, we're not pacifists. We do allow wars. As a matter of fact, some wars are required wars. Um, according to most, the defensive war, or, or what Israel is in now, which is clearly a defensive war, although CNN, they like calling it an offensive war, um, but, but uh, clearly is defensive in the sense that they're protecting their citizens. They were shot upon, showered upon um, first by rockets. Um, defensive war is obligatory in the Torah. It's what's called Muhammad Mitzvah. You're obligated to go to war. It <coughs> says everyone has to go to war. Even it says a bride at the day of her wedding goes straight from the wedding to take the bride to fight the war. So the, it's a, what's called Muhammad Mitzvah, um, an obligatory war. There's no question everyone's obligated to fight. And according to most, you're not obligated to offer peace in a defensive war like that. In a, what's called a, a uh, Muhammad Rishut, which means, I'm trying to remember the uh, war by choice. Let's say you need water. country needs water or something like that. They need more land. So that's called a, I forgot the English word for it, um, but it's a war by choice, not an obligatory war. So in that war, Taurus is very clear, you have to offer peace. So it's a question in, a, in other wars, do, are you obligated to offer peace first? Clearly, I think everyone would agree if Israel fulfilled their obligations in that sense of offering peace on many occasions um, prior to, to any war. Uh, over the past 60 years, I think they, you know, from before 1948 on, they accepted many forms of peace, and they were always, um, the other side w was the one that wasn't accepting peace. But in any case, the, the, he says, even though the Torah says you should offer them, um, meaning before you attack a town, you have to offer peace, he says, why, so why didn't Sinai and Lady do that over here? They just automatically went to war on, on, on this city. Is here with a Shem and Hamor by raping Dina, committed an atrocity against Israel, meaning the, the, again, the tribe of Israel at the time, even though it was only committed by one of them, meaning by the leader, by Shem, he was the rapist, since he is part of a nation, he says they are allowed to take revenge from all of them. He says when you go to war, when a country, even a, a leadership of a country, commits an atrocity against another nation and you're going to war, which is similar maybe to what you were mentioning before, since they're part of a nation that committed evil against them and you're allowed to wage war against them, such as in all wars. He says, war is against the country. You're not going to war against an individual. If a le the leader of a country commits an atrocity... That's what drones are for. Um, well, drones are for <laughs> <get> individuals. <laughs> right, but I'm saying, but his point is that you're not fighting leaders. You don't, a war is two countries fighting each other. So if there's an atrocity committed, even by certain members of that country, um, and not all of the country, but the war is against, you have a right to fight a war against the whole country. Okay, and again, it doesn't mean it, we should target um, children, God forbid. I don't think everyone agrees that that's, that's not a good thing. But again, but he's saying they have a right to fight the country as a whole, not individuals. Okay, and this is where I put some questions there. Should the actions of a member of a nation transfer to blame all, blame all members of that nation? Are we waging war against the nation, which I think is a key question here. Are you waging war against the country? or against individuals. Um, and are there atrocities that justify war? Clearly, that the Torah says very clearly there are. Um, and in this case, he's saying this atrocity specifically justified the war. Um, I, I think almost everyone, would see, uh, unless you, um, Qatar, I think there's only maybe three or four countries in the world that are saying now that Israel doesn't have the right to defend himself. This, what, what Hamas was doing clearly justifies a war. And according to Maral, what he's saying is a war means you, you're fighting against the people of that country, not the leaders per se. Um, yes. 
going back to number three, I'm trying to figure out what the tie is between you should offer a town piece before you. Oh, he's just saying, even though piece. normally the Torah states very clearly in Deuteronomy and, and actually in two places, the Torah says, before you wage war against another nation, right. you need to offer peace. If they don't accept the peace, then you can go ahead and wage war. Right. We're um, trying to figure out why is no, he the rest of it. No, he's just what? saying, even though we have that concept here, that's not applicable, is what he's saying. Is when someone commits an atrocity, that's, then you don't have to offer peace first. I would even make the argument that even though it's under, their purpose was different. Whose purpose? But to a certain extent, the sons, the sons offered offered a peace trick, oh, offered, a, offered yeah, a peace a to them by saying, hey, you know, we'll join Lydia together, you Lydia pointed out it was a trick, it was a trick, I mean, that's not over. It was a trick, I mean, they agreed to the peace, but, but, yeah, I'm saying, so that's not over. Talk about a real peace. If you go back to number one in the opinions, but there's a different standard. The standard is that for Gentiles, you have to have a court make an independent decision. And where Shimon and Levi it seems to me violated the initial rule is they made a decision on their own. And yes. that's the whole point of having a court system, which here the dictate is system other folks must have a system of justice and due process. And they skipped over that entirely and said, not only have we decided what's wrong, we have decided to punish them. And and we're going to execute the entire... So it seems to yes, me they failed very, it. Very and, good and point. every step of the way, they failed the test. Right, so very good point. Someone does say that, that even though someone, I remember who, I did see one of the commentaries, does say that, that the reason why Jacob was upset about it is that there wasn't due process, meaning there was no discussion, meaning they have, they might have had a right to kill the, the citizens, but there needs to be, like you're saying, due process, there needs to be a discussion about it and to figure out is this correct or not. Someone does say that, I remember. Someone does so. Well, I'm not clear yet. We, 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 we have our own commentary. We have our own commentary. commentary. Well, you know what, here's, here's, a, here's a, uh, just an existential um, situation. Yesterday, Hamas issued a video where their leader says, we have 250,000 grenades, and we are arming 250,000 of our kids with grenades. There are no more rocks, it's grenades. And my son, lone soldier, is going in Nahal. So he's encountered by six 11-year-olds with grenades. So that's no question. I don't think anyone, at least halachically. That's not how media is going right, to I'm just saying, halachically, there's no question. You've you, you got to save your life. You don't risk your, anyone's life, even if it's children. I mean, you can't do it. I mean, I think any police force, it's the same thing in any city in the United States. If a child is lunging at you, with a grenade or a knife, you're gonna, the police will shoot him. It's not even a war. That's not even war. War for sure, but so I don't even think that you're right. Of course, everyone's gonna blame Israel, not a question. In any case, but that, that's just a fact. That's all we have to live with. So we're not discussing world opinion, although you see it's relevant in a second. But it's a, it's a good point. Permission for a moment of political irony. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Quick. It, what is ironic is that this whole conversation, in a roundabout way, is legitimizing the government of Hamas and that people. Well, you're saying it's one nation versus another, that they have rules. You're basically almost saying that, that Gaza is a nation, which is basically against everything that um, the Western world has been preaching for the last several no, years. No, I don't think anyone's saying they're not. Well, that's... There so are people who right. say Palestinians so, so, are not so a nation. It's political irony. Yeah, no, I'm saying no one's... The question is that they might deem them as terrorist government, terrorists. 
a terrorist, a terrorist leadership. But they're not, no one's saying they're not. Listen, at the end of the day, they're governing their people. It's just a definition of nation. Okay. What, what, what would be the biblical view on the bombing of Hiroshima? So, oh, so, so let's take it away from the freighted yeah, discussion right, here. Okay, yes, it's a good point. Where so, here, you know, gotcha. you had six years of war. I was just there. Um, I saw, you know, the video. Mm, Hiroshima. Uh -huh. um, Hundred thousand people wiped out like that. Okay, so so, so that's a good question. So yeah. I'm gonna get the dress in a second. Hundred thousand people wiped out. And it stopped the war. Because we started off talking about the Russian, uh, the plane, I thought. No, no, no. no, 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 no he didn't say that. He said he was just there. That's a good point. Yes. You heard Hiroshima sound like Russian. That's what I'm saying. Oh. It's my accent. I was thinking you were talking about the other. It's a Belair accent. It's a Belair Think about it. If you're okay with with Hiroshima, then how about Nagasaki? Three days later. Right. Okay. So so I want so now so it gets really complex. This. It's a good point. Well, the plane is another good example. Okay. One second. Oh, too many examples. <laughs> the, the the point is like this. That so now what about so no, basically I, I'm by not the way. Not sure how the plane gets to be an act of war. To me, that's a question of response. Well, it was. They thought they were shooting. Oh, the okay. Plane, they were shooting down. Okay. Nagasaki okay. is not the one. Yeah. Okay, so, so the, the right. question is like this. So assuming, by the way, so most contemporary rabbis slash ethicists in Israel who have addressed this issue of civilian casualties in Israeli wars, and I'm getting back to your point, say that we and bring proofs that we rule like this third opinion. They all seem to go, except well, for one exception I'm aware, go with the third opinion here that when you're fighting a war, you have a right to, not as extreme as Maimonides who says, you know, they're culpable for the actions of their leaders, but just the war is a war. War is nation against nation, and therefore, uh, there's no, we don't differentiate combatants and non-combatants, as you're saying, you know, meaning bombing, which is really what he's saying. According to his third opinion, bombing, we have a right to do that if that's going to help the war effort, and that's going to end the war in this case, because we're fighting against the nation. Not that every Japanese person was against, <coughs> even though we thought that, we didn't, we didn't give jobs to people in America and put them in okay, camps. But and this very, the first sentence of the third one says, you should offer them a town, you approach, peace. So it seems to me the Israelis are doing that when they tell folks, well, we're coming to this yeah. neighborhood. We're yeah. leafless. Right, which no, one, yeah. no other yeah. army we, in the we, world we, has we, ever done. Okay. Before that, they offered ceasefire. I'm not saying I'm trying to go to this, to the analogy, to Japan. So the question, but so what's relevant to Japan is... Japan has attacked us first. They did, they did. Still defensive. That's right. So the question is, there's another interesting issue which I still brought up. But did we offer them peace? Did we say... Defensive end, you don't have to. That's right. You should offer them a town. No, he says, even though Terry says you should offer them a town, he seems to be saying this is... You don't have to do it in this scenario. They still have a right to do what they did without that. In this, because of the atrocity that was committed, Sorry. meaning they, because they committed atrocity. So, so as far as I saw discussed, interestingly enough, the question of Geneva Conventions, um, we discussed it many times in the past as a concept that we have to follow <coughs> the law of the land. Now, I mean, that doesn't apply from the little I found about it. That doesn't apply to international law. But the question is, if you did sign a treaty, you do find the precedent in the Torah, in Tanakh, actually, where they, there was a treaty they signed, a peace treaty they signed with Givonim, it's a certain nation, the times of Joshua, and, 
and it said that because they signed a peace treaty, even though Givonim committed atrocities, they had to keep their side of the treaty. Um, the Tanakh does seem to say that. So the question that was posed, in which I've seen addressed, was assuming Israel is a signatory of the Geneva Convention, so they signed on to international conventions, which is the Geneva Conventions, which says that you can't um, specifically know you're targeting civilians, or I don't know the exact words, the Geneva Conventions. Um, the question is, how does that work in this, in a practical sense here? And this would be the same question in, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which Geneva Conventions were post. Right, right. But assuming, so, so the question there becomes, how does that work? <coughs> um, meaning, if you sign the treaty, if you sign onto the convention, so now you're obligated, just like you're obligated to keep the law of the land, if we're a country that signed onto the conventions, then we're obligated now to uphold those conventions that we agreed to. So, interestingly enough, so I found one, one issue, which is that it's very nice, many times we have uh, laws that are theoretical, they're on the books, but in a practical sense, they're not practiced as they are on the books. Typical example of that would be speeding, right? Uh, right. If the science is 55 miles per hour, everyone knows, assuming most people know, and uh, I, up until 63, you can set your cruise control. You're never going to get stopped. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you, you, right, you can up to four miles over the speed limit. You will never get stopped. Can't say never. Don't come back to me. You do get a ticket, but but that's a known fact. Uh, they're not going to stop you for four miles, up to at least four miles over some some state six, depending on where you're driving. Okay. Bel Air, they stop you. <laughs> Actually, at 35. It's the only place in the world, I think. <laughs> if you ever get yeah, 35.1, you get stopped. But otherwise, any other uh, civilized society, they don't stop you, right? So, so the point is, um, right, so, so, on, so the question is, let's say, as a citizen, my advice, and I actually I had this, the business asked me this law, they asked me this once, where it's actually a similar case, and I might have discussed it here. I went, I was, someone consulted me on a question was they go, the trucks go by weight, um, you know, and you can't go over a certain weight, you can, if you get stopped, right, it's, it's a violation and you get fined, so the question is, so let's say it's like, you know, 50, 20 pounds over, there's a certain weight where they're not going to, even if they catch you, they're not going to give you a fine. So is it legal for his company, this was the question I was supposed to me, is it legal for his company to, you know, knowingly, because it goes by, by by um, crates, so if he takes out, you know, if he, you know, he's only 50 pounds over the limit, he knows he's not going to get stopped. But technically, it's illegal. If he takes out that whole crate, he's going to lose that whole space. This was a real question that was posed to me by a company in town. Um, can they go knowingly go over the weight limit, knowing that no, they're not going to get fined for it, and they want to do things by the law? You say no. What do you say? No. You say no. So. Trust so. And the, the what you've added to it that they're losing that space is immaterial to the question because they could repack, they could do all sorts of things. That's not, you know, you're throwing in a okay, justification. You that they, they, but you're throwing in a justification which is not a consideration <laughs> yeah. in the question. The question is can they or can they not go over the limit? And they they may be damaged ten yeah. cents or ten million dollars. That's true. It was a lot of money, man. That's immaterial. Isn't there an issue in regards to weights and measures? If, if a retailer no, wants to buy something, he knows he's not. Get, he wants a pound. He no, knows that's because you're ripping someone off. Yeah, okay, no, no, but yeah, yeah. But you do know. Yeah, okay, but but my point was so in that I was just doing that as an example. The point is, and I didn't I didn't know this. I only found this actually when I was researching for this class, and I found this concept where. Many, there are some who say 
that you don't look at the actual law, you look at what's in practice. You don't look at the theor theoretical law. Many times there are laws that are, pra that are theoretical, you actually have to look at how society observes that law. Okay, so meaning in the case of speeding, even though 55, the sign says 55 miles per hour, you're not violating the law, meaning that's really the question. Are you violating the law by go 56 and just the cop is a nice guy and he's not stopping me? Or, or is it not a violation of the law? That's really the question. Okay, so you're saying clearly it's a violation of the law. Yeah, that's right. It is. It's just the fact is, not that you didn't get stopped. They won't stop you. You won't even, in a court of law, the question is, in a court of law, can they even prosecute you? I'm going 56, so the judge say, well, it's, we're not even going to prosecute in that case. That's really the question. I, I did call traffic cops about this and when I was answering that question then. Um, and they said they agreed with you that it is a violation of the law. Of course. Mm -hmm. uh, not traffic cops, the judge, traffic judge. Um, so the, the, but what I did find, at least in this one opinion, seems to be saying you, you look at the theory, at the practice, not the theory. So, meaning Geneva Conventions, technically there is no country in the world that really adheres to Geneva Conventions and doesn't kill civilians. It doesn't happen. In every war, civilians are killed. Okay, so again, the Geneva Convention says civilians are not allowed to be targeted. But there's no such thing as a war, in the history of the world probably, where civilians weren't killed. Therefore, we look at the practice not as, not, and what do, do societies do? So even though I'm adhering to the Geneva Conventions, I, I you know, signed and I'm signatory on the Geneva Conventions as a country, let's say the country of Israel, but the fact that in practice, no one, there's no such thing as a war without killing civilians, so all societies in the world do this, therefore that would still be not considered a violation. You, depends That's on the word you use. You, you said there's a difference between is it Geneva Convention saying don't kill civilians or don't target civilians? That's right. I, was I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. I have. Uh, right. you know well, that makes all the difference. I have the word again. You know what? Now you could. Then we can argue that going forward, you can't use a nuclear bomb because that's basically targeting civilians. Right. Hiroshima and Nagasaki was targeting that's civilians. That's different. Right. But I'm saying that was targeting that civilians. That leadership was targeting okay. Well, I'm, I'm, you can justify both ends. Um, I mean, if you dropped a bomb yeah, in Gaza City and killed 100,000 people, the war would be over. Yes, that's I mean, you know, Israel might also that. As long as the cloud goes out to the ocean. But, uh, I mean, you know, so... I, no, so, okay, so that's a good point. So, so actually, um, yeah, so I put down here, and if you look, this is actually Alan Dershowitz makes this argument. Um, if you look here, not that I usually don't like quoting Alan Dershowitz. Um, but uh, uh, this, you know, write this date so <laughs> he writes like this although collective punishment is from his book called The Case for Israel although collective punishment is prohibited by international law it is widely practiced throughout the world including the most democratic and liberty minded countries indeed no system of international death deterrence can be affected without some reliance on collective punishment every time one nation retaliates against another it collectively pu punishes citizens of that country. American and British bombings of German cities punish the residents of those cities. The atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki killed thousands of innocent Japanese for the crimes of their leaders. The bombing of military targets inevitably kills civilians. So he's making this argument in the sense of he doesn't. He's saying. Why is this that under Geneva Convention? Because he's, did he help? Why? No, I'm just saying he's making this argument that, that no, collective punishment is prohibited under Geneva Convention. So he's not addressing civilian casualties, but collective punishment is, is prohibited under Geneva Conventions. Okay, that's and enough. So he's, so he's saying that, listen, it's very nice, it's prohibited, but the bottom, at the end of the day, there's no, no war that's fought without collective punishment because you're always going to hit citizens. I, Lydia, are you agreeing with me or are you arguing? I'm distracting her. Are you? 
Do you agree to Alan Dershowitz? Well, you know what? I did not even see that when I mentioned uh, Alan. You know, he was making the same right. uh, point. Um, so. You agree? But even in this case, so even so in this case, it's 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 how you want how you want to, to frame it. It's retaliation. Yeah, it's, it's retaliation. But you. you so it's not retaliation. The question is collective punishment. He's saying every war. Yes. In essence, it's collective yes, punishment. Because right. if you're going to hit the citizens, then yes. why would they didn't do anything wrong? Yes, and and I think. Which is really what the morale is saying. I mean, you're at war with the Alan Dershowitz is nation. agreeing with the morale. Mm -hmm. Well, even problem. so, we're Israel's targeting tunnels. They're not targeting but targeting the tunnels is the fig leaf for the action. Yeah, not so sure. Either the way, tunnels, rockets, whatever it is, wherever they're, you know, obviously, if there was military posts like normal countries have, who knows how this war would have been conducted? No, uh, okay. So right. the question is, and this gets to your point, so I just want to address because we're almost out of time. Is this is very nice? So I mean, and, and it's being quoted as a support to the Israeli government to do what they're doing, even though they're going to be collateral collateral damage. Um, the question is, and and I just want to address we asked originally, which was, can we maybe even endanger our own citizens because we don't want to save lives of children, innocent children, meaning. Do I not shoot in a case where, you know, there's a known terrorist there, but there's children around him because now this guy's going to get away and we don't know what, and he's going to continue shooting missiles. Okay, so we're endangering our own citizens. So that, in essence, everyone would agree is a problem. I mean, you can't, uh, normally, by the way, we don't s kill someone to save someone's life. Uh, you have no right to do that. But in wartime, obviously, that's what war is about. You're killing people to save your citizens' lives. That's what really, it's the definition of war. Normally, if I'm on the street, if someone puts a gun to me and says, kill that person, I can't save my own life by killing that person. That's a non-war time. So obviously, war we has different rules. War is, we are killing people, save our lives. It's defensive, even if it's not, even if it's offensive, that's what war is about. Um, but the point is, so now there's no question, probably according to everyone, to risk your own citizen's life to save other people, enemy lives, even if, again, you don't want to define them as enemy, even innocent children, is probably prohibited according to Jewish law. But the question then becomes, like you're saying, let's say we can go in and carpet bomb Gaza, but the whole world would now, the political reality is, okay. I don't know if we'll end the war. I said one okay, whatever. Well, the, the point the is, okay. the question is, becomes, <laughs> do we gain or not? Meaning, meaning, uh, obviously, in those times, in times of Second World War, we ended the war. The question is, like you're saying, it will end, might end this war from Gaza. There's not going to be any more missiles from Gaza. The question is, what happens after? Yeah. Do well, we have we, uh, we other countries using nuclear weapons against us? Or, uh, one second, I'm going to bring out the point. The point is, you need, what I said before, I'm not discussing politics, but politics does play a role yeah. in the halacha, because if the net gain is, um, you know, we might, at this point, uh, the net... Uh, Meaning that we're going to kill the terrorists, but at the end, the whole world will will now wage war against us or not support us, or even losing the support of, of major Western nations. Is how do we view the net gain? Is there are we losing or winning at the end? Well, so to David's point, and what I'm well, saying, what well, saying, what I'm saying, he's making a face. So now, even if it's right, what we're saying is, even if you have a right to do it, the question is, if at the end of the day, the whole world opinion will be against us. Is that where we want to go? Is that our goal?
Thank you for coming. I want to hear the, a moment in time where the world opinion was for Israel. Right. Okay, so that's a good point. So I don't, yeah, you're right. But that's important. Yes, the it's world very important. Opinion, the world opinion had in 2006, six-day uh, war, second Lebanon war, our boys killed for what? Because the world opinion, this government, everybody pressured them to get out. Gaza in 2012, six weeks of shelling, the world opinion. So, I mean, screw the world opinion. We need to protect our own families. My family lives there. Why should... 100%. It's, it's, and the last one. It's the government's responsibility to protect its own citizens. 100%. Okay, the question is, but if the net gain is not going to be a gain... We don't know what the net gain is. Oh, you're right. So that's, that's up for the, that's for the generals to decide, we the politicians. Except we peace for our people. I mean, yes. we, you've informed us for years that if you have a limited amount of milk, you don't dis give it to strangers. Your first responsibility is to feed your children so they will survive, right? <coughs> Simple example like that. In war, it's so much more sharper. I want my family to survive. I don't want to worry what other government's responsibilities, though it kills me that those children and, and uh, women are unprotected. Let's throw another one out there, another comment. So we're not arguing. We agree. But I'm just saying it's up to the politicians and the and the uh, and the generals to decide the what the net gain is. You know, that's the question. I don't know point, what the net. At this point, Israel will do just fine. Europe has to worry about all those young Muslims that have yeah. that are on welfare and have nothing to do but protest. Yeah. I, they're in the worst shape. Israel will yeah. survive. Let me ask you a question: What responsibility does the Israeli government have towards Jews outside of Israel? In the sense Nothing that... Nothing to do with our class. Well, I, I, I good say, question. Well, right? no. In the sense of... All right. Uh, I, Again, I, I, let's say, let's I, say yeah, Israel could survive. Oh, well, an embargo, question. An embargo, everything by going... Doing, you know, Scott's... No, there's a better logic. question, okay. which is relevant to what we were just talking about, to Lydia. I mean, if because of Israel's actions now, people are killing Jews in France or firebombing synagogues, that's a different question. So again, yeah, do, does right. Israel have to take that into consideration? That's right. That's my They're question. protecting its citizens that... And now in Houston, some guy broke someone's car window at a protest in the Midwest. And it was in the Jewish Al voice. Some Palestinian broke someone's car window in so with an Israeli flag. Tie, tie so that's the question. Together. Yeah. So, and I don't know the answer, so I don't take from the question a, a judgment. So, if the argument is Israel must and should do what it can to defend itself and bring peace, should it launch a nuclear weapon? Because it can win the war this afternoon. Mm -hmm. Done in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. There was a lose. Should they don't lose know what the consequences for the rest well, of the world? Well, I don't think that's. That's what Lydia's arguing. That's, 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 we need to I mean, protect ourselves. That, that's Yossi's response was, you know, no, that could bring a hailstorm. But just. And. Would that lead to a nuclear. No, drive with So there's a difference between killing 500 people, which is what a. Hamas, Gaza has lost so far, and killing a hundred thousand. But the war be over. But now, can they do maybe. it halakhically? Can you? Is, is it? If that's what it takes to end the war, yes. Well, but no, the question is again: is that is the net gain? You can do other things in the war. No. So first of all, yeah, well, I'm one thing. So I didn't make that clear throughout this class. If there's a way to do what you're doing without harming children and civilians, you have no right to do it. It's only. If that's the that's the method, well, that goes back to David's question of the war. Meaning, if you can erosion. achieve your goals without harming innocent civilians, of course that's so. That, that's that's my that's my argument. Could we have achieved it if, if we didn't drop Hiroshima? You know, we, we, we don't know because they said they could have we, had. A, did, we I did, thought that we didn't three days we, we didn't leaflet Hiroshima saying, "Listen, Leave. hell's coming." 
get out. We're going to level this city. I wouldn't have believed it anyway. But okay, okay, so, so okay. If, if you, you know, I, I agree with get you. Out, but well, then I but there are the lots effort. of things that you do. We didn't wait any amount of time after Hiroshima. Well, where could they have gone anyway? Dropping leaflets, what good would that have done? Oh, you're going to a different city. That's what we're yeah. doing in, in, in Gaza. Gaza. It's the same claim. They say we're more targeted. We're blowing up this building. Get out. Well, we're saying whole neighborhoods. In, That's true. Nobody really. Knew Israelis what, are saying whole bomb. Leave your neighbor. Okay. Leave your city. We could have. We could have waited more than three days to bomb Nagasaki. I mean, communications were not point, then what they are now. Well, the Jews weren't controlling the military. Uh, <laughs> you just invented the bomb. <laughs> the Jews control everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hollywood yeah. Yeah. Right. Jews control everything. everything. So hey, logically, I just want to get to it. Could they, halakhically, then they could, in theory, drop a nuclear bomb on Gaza yeah. and be halakhically if, correct? If that's what's necessary, mm -hmm. yes. If that's like, what's deemed necessary only, by the generals and by the... We don't know if was necessary or not. It happened to end the war. So how do you have to... I'm saying is... That's, that's not that's a lot of questions. It's a general. It's a, it's a military question. Really, it's really what it is. It's not for a rabbit. Tiny little bomb. But you're also... They have little ones. They have little nukes. Right. That'll go in there three, four miles. There are smaller nuclear weapons now. They're very precise. Precise. Yes. It's not even fair to compare the fact that we had the nuclear bomb nobody else had and we could use Parking passes up there, Mark. You have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethics Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom. Shalom.